morning. If you're visiting with us from Christ's Covenant or from East Charlotte Presbyterian, we greet you in the name of Christ. So glad that you're here. We know that uh, your, your building has been damaged. Uh, we're, we're praying with you and, and for you, and uh, any, any way we can help serve you during this uh, difficult time for your buildings, again, please let us know. But we're so glad to have you here today. Friends, we are right really towards the end of a study of the book of James. We've been going through James verse by verse. Today we find ourselves in the fifth chapter, verses 7 through 11. As mentioned earlier, we're talking today about patience and perseverance. This is James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. If you're able, I invite you to stand and honor the reading of God's holy word. You know the written word of the living God. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Pray with me, please. Lord, during this portion of the worship service, the preaching of your word, I pray, God, that you would remove any distraction from our hearts, our minds, whether it's things going on later today or or what happened yesterday or what's coming up next week. Lord, we cast those cares upon you knowing that you care for us. And we ask you, Lord, that we might be able to focus on the scriptures upon the worship you, worshiping you through the preaching of your word. Father, for believers today, we pray that you would strengthen us and grow us in our faith, continue to equip us for the works of ministry. Teach us, Father, about patience and perseverance. Lord, for those who might be here today who don't know you as Savior, Lord, I pray they would hear the gospel. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would open their hearts to receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Bless every part of this sermon today, Father. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of this preacher's heart be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we all pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. Revenge. Have you ever wanted to get revenge on someone or something in your life? So I grew up a child of the 80s. Love the 80s movies. And I think pretty much every single movie that I loved had to do with revenge. I mean, you remember Rocky IV. Rocky wanted to get revenge on Ivan Drago because he killed Apollo. You remember the Karate Kid, 
Even today's generations watched the Karate Kid. Daniel LaRusso wanted to get revenge on Johnny because he was a bully. The last movie of the Jaws series is called The Revenge. The Revenge. Ellen Brody wanted to get revenge on a great white shark because of what that shark had done to her family. So now you've learned... Pastor Adam grew up in the 80s. Maybe he's a fan of the 80s. Yes, I'm a fan of the 80s. But friends, let's talk about revenge. Think about this question in all seriousness. What does the Bible say to Christians about how we are to deal with issues of revenge? You know, about 10 years ago, I watched a family go through a very, very difficult Struggle. This was a Christian family. And by watching their testimony, their actions, I learned a lot about the biblical view of revenge. You see, the mom and dad in this family, they were missionaries over in Asia. But their daughter was working here in the United States, up in the late Norman area. She was working in a place where I worked. And on her way to work one day, This daughter was tragically killed in a two-car accident. And the fault of the accident was by the other person, not the young lady, but the other person who hit her, and she lost her life that day. And I went to the young lady's funeral, and I got to hear her parents speak. And I'm sitting here thinking about what they're going to say. And, I mean, not only are they exhausted, they've had 48 hours of travel from Asia back to the United States to get there, but their daughter just died, tragically, unexpectedly. And I expected them to be angry. I expected them to be mad. But I heard them speak. Yes, they were absolutely heartbroken. Who wouldn't be? But there was no anger. There was no sense of vengeance or resentment. They had no thought of revenge towards the driver that hit their daughter. In fact, when I heard the parents speak, their only concern was that the young man who hit their daughter, they wanted him to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that had saved their daughter so that the point where she was hit by the car, she went to be with Jesus. They only wanted the driver to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he might receive God's forgiveness, that he might receive salvation through Christ. And I want to admit I was ashamed of myself that day. Because if it was me, being a parent, I know in my heart, I think part of my heart would have wanted revenge against that guy for taking something from me. But Her parents taught me the better thing. They taught me how to love my enemy, as Jesus taught us in the Scriptures. Friends, you say, Pastor Adam, why are you telling us the story, and what in the world does it have to do with the book of James? Well, friends, last week, and I know many of you weren't here last week, so let me back up a second. Last week, we started James chapter 5, and in the first six verses of James chapter 5, James speaks to godless, rich landowners who were oppressing their employees 
because their employees would work, but the landowners would not pay those employees. They withheld their funds. And we saw what's called the domino effect, that the greed of these landowners turned to theft, taking that money, and that theft turned into selfish indulgence because these landowners were using other people's money to go live lavishly. And then selfish indulgence even led to murder, that these landowners were so powerful that they actually took the lives of their employees or they caused their livelihood to simply end. And James spoke to those landowners last week. He spoke to the oppressors. But today, friends, the text shifts. James goes from talking to the oppressors to talking to the oppressed, those employees who had had their money stolen. You see, in verses, starting in verse 7, he speaks to those who've been robbed, those who were suffering. And his message to them might be considered by some people in this world to be very surprising, and some might call it ridiculous. Why? Because the world expects James to tell those oppressed people, go get revenge. But that's not what he says at all. James goes a different direction. And he teaches these Christians who are suffering to live in two ways. First of all, live with patience. And then secondly, live with perseverance. Friends, those are the two main points of our text. If you have your bulletin, take a look at the back of it. There's a short, brief outline, Lord willing, that will help you as we walk through this text today. First of all, let's see what James says about patience. Let's reread the text, verses 7 through 10. Listen for the word patience. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Friends, I want you to try right now to put yourself in the shoes of those day laborers, those workers who had had their money taken and stolen by their bosses. You had worked so hard, but wages were never given to you. And in your heart, you have this plot of vengeance in your heart. And you would maybe expect James to say, Go get revenge, but that's not what he says. Friends, this is first of all a reminder of what the Bible says about revenge. The Lord says throughout the scriptures, it is mine to revenge, the Lord says, I will repay. That belongs to the Lord. So what James does tell these people, instead of revenge, it's be patient, have perseverance. I think four times in this text you see the word patience. Two times in this text, you see the word steadfastness or, or perseverance. So friends, when James is talking about patience in this context, it does include someone whose conduct is oppressive. 
And friends, when that happens in our lives, it is so easy to just blow up, isn't it? It is so easy to just be hot-tempered and to explode. Proverbs says it this way in Proverbs 15. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Friends, in times where it's difficult to be patient, does a hot temper reflect your life? And does that hot temper make us contentious towards others? Friends, patience is the opposite of a hot temper. And if you'll find in verse 8 of this text, James says for believers to be patient. Why? Because they await the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at it in verse 8. You also establish your hearts. Be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. How difficult is it for this generation to be patient? When we go to Starbucks and we order our coffee, and if it takes a little bit too long, we become impatient. Email wasn't fast enough, so we got text because that immediately pops up on your phone. It's so hard to be patient. The child who said a minute ago, it's, it's, it's hard to be patient when you're hungry. That's me. I remember one time, dear and I had just gotten married. I was fussing and complaining about something. And Deirdre said to me, hey, Adam, have you eaten something? I said, no. She goes, go eat something. <laughs> go eat something. Be more patient with me. Go eat something. But patience is so hard for our generation. But what this text says is it says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. You can imagine... In the minds of these people who were oppressed, they were probably asking questions. They were probably saying, will this suffering ever end? Will there ever be relief for me and my family? And James encourages them by saying, yes, let me remind you that one day King Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back as the judge of all the earth. All the wrongs will be made right. And when he comes back... All things become new. Be patient. Be mindful of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, in a real sense, takes us out of this box that we put ourselves in on earth and it expands it to eternity. We need to be eternally minded about these things. Oftentimes in the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament use the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as an encouragement for other people. Think about Thessalonians. They were so discouraged in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians because there were some people there who had died and they didn't know what was going to happen to them after they died. And Paul comes along and says, let me encourage you. One day, Lord Jesus is coming back. There's going to be the shout of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain will be joined together with them in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And what's the last verse of the chapter? Encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another 
with the mindfulness of the second coming of Jesus Christ, the supreme judge of all the earth, who makes all wrong right, who makes all things new, be heavenly minded. The last book of the Bible, the last verse, even says, Oh, come, Lord Jesus, be patient for the coming of the Lord. And then James picks up this illustration, the farming illustration that Daryl was talking about a moment ago to her children. You see it in the text, the farming illustration, verse 7. What does it say? See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Underline that phrase, early and late rains. So here's what happens. The farmer goes out to sow his crop. And then the autumn rain comes. That falls in October. And of course, the job of this rain is to germinate the seed. But the farmer knows, because of his wisdom, his experience, he knows that in order to get a good harvest, in order to get a good crop, he's got to wait. He's got to wait October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, the spring rain. He's got to wait all that time. Because the late rain, the spring rain, that would cause the grain to swell before harvest. But isn't it so hard to wait? As Daryl was leaning against this pulpit, waiting on a piece of fruit to develop from that plant... Boy, we wish it could be like that, couldn't we? Just like a text or an instant message. Just pop up and there it is. But God tells us the better thing to do is to wait. And to wait patiently. And the farmer knew he had to wait. He had to be patient on that spring rain to get a good harvest. And just as he had to wait from October to May, friends, the suffering are to patiently wait on the coming of the Lord. But if you'll notice in verse 9, a lack of patience leads to grumbling and complaining. Verse 9 says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. You know, sometimes when we have to wait, we just become irritable. Like I was that day with Deirdre. In my house, we become very irritable. We grumble, we complain, and we tend to lash out at other people. And I think for most of us, when we're honest, we lash out at the people who are closest to us. That could be in your family. That could be in your church. That could be in your workplace. One commentator said it this way, it's always a tragedy when a Christian blows his top, and doubly tragic when he does so within the fellowship of believers. One of the greatest things that Satan can do to forward his purposes is to cause division amongst Christians, to make them complain, murmur, fight, bicker, and grumble against each other. Friends, that's why Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, he says that we as a church have to work diligently towards unity. 
That doesn't mean be a yes man. That doesn't mean don't state your opinion. But it does mean that you have grace towards each other. You have humility towards each other. And we work to find common ground with each other instead of fighting and bickering amongst ourselves. This is part of being patient. To illustrate patience, there's another illustration in verse 10. Did you see it? Remember the prophets. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets. The prophets lived no easy life, lives. We know that Elijah faced hostility from King Ahab, right? Daniel was taken from his country and put in a lion's den. Jeremiah endured all sorts of trials through his ministry. Hosea suffered heartbreak in his marriage. Even John the Baptist, the last prophet, he was imprisoned. He was beheaded. But all of these men, we could say they had a reason to complain, to lash out, to grumble. But instead, they were patient while serving the Lord. And the Bible calls them blessed. Hunter read a moment ago from Matthew chapter 5, the words of Jesus, speaking of the prophets, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely against you. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Friends, I have a question for every one of us. Right now in your life, what trial are you going through where God is calling you to patience, to wait not only on the early rain, but the late rain? It's very difficult for us to be patient, but as we consider our own patience towards God and towards others, let us never fail to remember the patience of God. Do we realize how patient our God is towards us? How he manifests that patience, even when man continues to sin, even after man is admonished several different times for the same thing. I remember even in my own house, Jared and I's parents trying to raise our kids. Have you ever found parents that you admonish your child for the same thing over and 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 over again? Yet we love our children. We strive to be patient towards our children. Sometimes I'm sure we blow our tops, but we love our children. We want to be merciful to our children, compassionate to our children. Do you know what Peter says about God's patience? He says that God was patient in the day of Noah for 120 years. Moses writes in the Pentateuch that God's patience and compassion were with Israel when Israel sinned against God at Mount Sinai. Paul in Romans says that God's patience is actually kindness towards man that should lead him to salvation. 
Peter again says to count the patience of the Lord as salvation. So friends, I ask you this question, how has God been patient towards you? The fact that we live lives that are opposed to the promises of God and God is patient with us teaches us how much grace and mercy that he extends to us. Maybe you're here today and your heart has been hard towards God. Maybe your whole life or maybe for the past few, past few years. Do you understand that God's patience towards you is actually his kindness that is saying, come be saved from your sin? Today's the day of salvation. You have an opportunity right now to be right with God because of what Christ has done for you. His work upon the cross. God is so patient with us, dear friends. But as I mentioned earlier, not only does this text talk about patience, but it talks about perseverance. Look at verse 11. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. Perseverance. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Perseverance, it can be defined as the act of determination of a believer whose faith triumphs in the midst of an affliction. We read in this text about an example of that from the Bible, the example of Job. Remember, one commentator said, Job wasn't really known for his patience, it's more his perseverance. Some people say, Job wasn't that patient. He cursed the day of his birth. He talked about long-winded speeches of his friends. He wasn't that patient, but he did persevere. In spite of all of his troubles, he stayed loyal to God. And what a list of troubles he had. Think about that. Some of the worst circumstances we could ever imagine in life. Far worse than what we deal with on a daily or weekly basis. But he endured. He was steadfast. He put one foot in front of the other. He persevered. And we know the end of the story for Job. That his story teaches us. Not just about Job's perseverance. But it teaches us about what? The compassion and the mercy of God. Listen to this quote from John Blanchard. It says, The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Job's story only begins to make sense when we realize that through it all, God was at work and that his ultimate purposes were loving and kind. Without this golden thread holding it together, it collapses in a meaningless heap of pain, suffering, sorrow, and heartache. But when we see what the Lord finally brought about, we can see even the worst of Job's disasters in their right light. Calvin says it this way, afflictions ought ever to be estimated by their end. And in Job's case, the end was glorious. In material things, for example, we're told that the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. But Job was blessed at a level altogether higher than material His character was completely vindicated and his spiritual experience and understanding enriched beyond measure. It may seem strange that God should have allowed his servant to experience such darkness, but we can reverently say 
that the end justified the means and proved in James' own words that the Lord is full of compassion. He's full of mercy. The psalmist says it best. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Friend, as you're going through a trial, as you're going through suffering, as these in the text are going through today, you might never know what God is doing behind the scenes. You might never know the plan that he has for your life. Job didn't know the plan, but he persevered. Friends, chapter 1 of this book, if you go back a few weeks ago, reminds us to consider it pure joy when a trial comes into our lives because God is growing in our faith. But during that time of trial, during that time of suffering, your heart might say, I want revenge. I want to take someone out. Friends, if that is you, be encouraged by the words of James today and face your sufferings and your trials with patience. Remembering that Jesus is coming back. He's the supreme judge of all the earth. He will make all wrong right and he will make all things new. Remember that farmer. Though he plants in the fall, though the rains come in the fall, he's called to wait upon the Lord. He's called to wait all those months to get to the spring rain so that he can see the fruit, so that he can harvest as he should. It is so hard to be stuck between October and May. But if you find yourself there, be patient. Wait upon the Lord. And during that waiting, let us not grumble against each other and stir up strife against each other, whether it's in our family, in our church, in our workplace. But remember the example of the prophets. Remember the perseverance of Job. The Bible says the Lord's plans are greater than our plans. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways far better than our ways. But most importantly, I want you to, when you think about patience and perseverance, I want you to remember the example that was set before us all in the person of Jesus Christ. For when Jesus Christ was going through the greatest trial, the most suffering anyone had ever experienced, when he was nailed to the cross and he could have come down, he's fully God, he could have it any way he wanted, and he could have come down from that cross. Jesus held out his arms and his legs and he said these words, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Christ endured the cross, and he did it, as this text says, to give us his compassion, to give us his mercy. Pray with me, please.